I'm really excited about the sermon today, but you know what? There is anticipation for next. I cannot wait for next Sunday. You know why? Come on, you know why? Nobody knows. It's Mother's Day next Sunday. We don't just call it Mother's Day. We call it Ladies' Day here at Cavanaugh Church. I've got a special gift for all the ladies next week. I wanted to give you this gift two years ago, but we couldn't get them in last year. We ordered early. They've been in my office for a week. I wanted to give them to you today. Yeah, that's just the way I am. I'll, I'll buy Angie a gift for Christmas back in November, and I want to give it to her right then. You, what's wrong with y'all? Yeah. Are you excited about next Sunday? Wow, I am. I just can't, I can't wait. I cannot wait for Mother's Day to be able to give you the gift. And so in anticipation for Mother's Day, I even wanted to preach to you ladies today, but I'm holding off till next Sunday. I am going to talk about the family. And I want to preach a sermon on how to build the foundation for a strong family. So that's today's sermon. We're going to look at how to build a foundation for a strong family. And it's found in the very first commandment. You know, God gave ten back in the book of Exodus, ten commandments. And God intentionally put the first one first because it's the most important one. And that's the one we're going to look at today. Exodus chapter 20, verse number 3. Here it is. You shall have no other gods, little g, before me. That's what God said. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, let me give you the principle. Then there's a promise that goes along with the principle. And then I have some points of application as well. Here is the principle of you shall have no other gods before me. And it's very simply, put God first. That's the principle. You put God first. I am to put God first in my life. And I am to put God first in my family. God says, I demand top priority in your life. I am not going to play second fiddle to anything or anyone else. And you know, he shouldn't. He deserves to be number one in your life. You know why? He made you. <laughs> Therefore, he deserves top priority. If he hadn't made you, you wouldn't even be around. And besides all of that, everything you have is because of the good hand of God. That is amazing. He's given it to you. He's allowed you to have it. Now, I want to go back to my, my key verse here in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. Let's, re let's read this out loud because I don't think you didn't have a rock star or coffee out there. I can tell, and you need to wake up. Let's read it together. Ready? You shall have no other gods before me. Now, I want to point something out. The word gods is a little g right there. See that? Little g. Me is a big M. And it's talking about God there. You shall have no other gods, any little gods before me, the big God. So it brings up an interesting question. What is a god? Well, a god is anything that dominates your life. Anything that controls your life. So... Could a career be a God? Yes, it could be. Can another person become a God in your life? Yes, they can be. Can a sports or an activity become a God? Yes, it can. Even good things that God has created for us to enjoy 
become gods in our life when they become first place in our life. And God says, that shouldn't happen. That's wrong. That's not the way you live life. I deserve first place in your life because I made you, I have a plan for your life, and I know what is good for your life. That is the foundation. It's the foundation to build your life and family on. Now, I don't have to tell you that today in America, families are dropping like flies. (laughs) Come on, guys. They are. They're falling apart faster than we can put them back together. Why is it that so many families are falling apart? Why is it that so many marriages are crumbling? I can tell you, it's because they're built on the wrong foundation. And they're going to crumble. And it doesn't matter what kind of resources you pour into that, trying to save that marriage, or even how much money you dump into it, you're not going to be able to salvage it unless you build it on the right foundation. And that is putting God first place. He's got to be the foundation. Jesus spoke a, a, a story about this or a parable about this in Matthew chapter 7. It was his Sermon on the Mount. Remember Jesus ended that sermon by saying, All right, if you listen to these words of mine, and if they become a priority in your life, then you're going to be like that wise man who built his house upon a rock. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew against that house and beat on it, but it didn't crumble. Why? (laughs) You've got to do better than this, guys. Because it was built on the rock. It had a great foundation. He said, on the other hand, if you don't listen to these words of mine, and if you don't put me first place in your life, you will be like the man or the family that built their house on the sand. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and it beat on that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Why? Because it was built on a bad foundation. So we've got to start with a good foundation. Got to. Now, this next, well, I guess it's just in a couple of weeks, my dearly beloved and I will celebrate 34 years of marriage. I was going to say of marital bliss, but I don't know that it's been that blissful for Miss Angie these 34 years. We're going to celebrate 34 years of marriage. And so I've really been thinking about this for, for the, a long time, but really the last couple of weeks, very specifically. Because here's what's about to happen. Um, Callie's back in the country. She's not here this weekend. She went back down to Waco because she'll be going back to college in Waco. We've got Zaner boy one more year, and then he graduates, and maybe he'll be out of the house. I don't We'll see. We'll see. Hope, hope he, he, I hope he finishes finish strong, young man. Finish strong that last year. But you know what? We will have raised three kids, and it's taken us a long time to raise these kids and get them out of the house, but we're about to be empty nesters. And so I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Our life is really revolved around these kids and their activities. They're about to be gone. What's left? We don't have grandkids yet. So. Don't know that we're going to get grandkids yet. But the important thing is this. You know what? I want the next 34 years to be better than the first 34 years. 
Okay? And here's what happens over an extended period of time in a marriage. You can start taking your spouse for granted. Other things can come in and push y'all away. And so God has got to be number one. And for the next 34 years to be better than the first 34, you know what? We've got to make sure that our marriage and our family is established on that solid rock, Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Building the foundation, putting God first in my family and in my life. And with every principle in the Bible, there comes a promise. And here's the promise for the principle that we read. Proverbs 3, 6, I'm reading it out of the Living Bible. The Bible says, in everything you do, so in what, in what? In everything, in everything you do, put God first, and he will direct you, and he will crown your efforts with Success. What a great verse. This is one of the great promises of success in the Bible. Do you want to be successful? Raise your right hand if you want to be successful. Yes, we do. All of us do. Now understand there is a difference between what the world says success is and what God says success is. And I want to be successful in God's eyes. Okay? And that is obtainable. I can. How can I do that? By putting God first. Whatever you want God to bless, listen to me, whatever you want God to bless, you put him first in that area, and God is going to bless it. So, I want God to bless my family, my home. Therefore, God has to be first in my family and in my home and in my marriage. Now, I've heard these numbers for years. Uh, the divorce rate in America is one out of. And used to, the number would be one out of two. I'd hear that all the time. The divorce rate is 50%. 50% of marriages end in divorce. One out of two. Have you heard that number? Yeah. It's bogus. It's not real. It's not, not, that's, that's too high of a number. I don't know where that came from. It's, it can't be documented. It really is probably one out of three, one out of four, maybe even one out of five. We do know that it's getting better, and that's good news, all right? But still, one out of five? Are you serious? But it happens. That's, that's the climate of the world in which we live in. But there have been studies, and here's what they've discovered. That if a marriage ceremony begins in a church, it's a Christian marriage, and the husband and wife are committed Christians. Now understand the word committed. That is that they confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, and they have made him the Lord of their life. That is, Jesus is number one in the man's life, and Jesus is number one in the lady's life. And if they live that marriage out in the church, that is, they're actively involved. Not just on the membership role, they actually come and are involved. They raise their family in the church. And if that husband and wife read the Bible every day together, and pray every day together, and do these things I'm about to share with you, then the divorce rate amongst those kinds of people is one out of every 1,105. That's a big difference. And, and let me tell you, I think you can totally eliminate the divorce factor when you put God, number one, in your life, in your marriage, and in your home. So are you ready for this? I'm going to give you a way to divorce-proof your marriage this morning. You just put God first. How do I put God first? How do I do it? What does it mean to put God first? Well, let's use the acrostic 
First, let's spell the word first. Come on, spell it for me. F-I-R-S-T. F-I-R-S-T. That means I have how many points? Five, because it's an acrostic. I'm just using these letters. This is the time in that you get your little your notes out and write notes down. Come on. We're going to take notes today because you need this. All of us need this. Can you all tell I had a rock star? Man, right before I came out here, I did. I usually don't do that. but man, I, woo, I may, My heart may blow up this morning. I don't know. I had like a jug of coffee before the first service, and now I'm, I'm working off this rock star. Woo, let's don't do that again. Bad idea. Come on, everybody. What's the first letter going to start with? It's an F. Here's how you put God first in your life and in your family. Practical way. F stands for finances. Now, I'm starting off with the toughest one, the most difficult one. But listen to Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. It says, honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all of your income. And he will fill your barns to overflow. God says, give me the first part of any income you have, and then I am going to bless the rest of it. That's a tremendous promise. God has said that money is the number one test of my priorities. And I believe that because Jesus said more about money in the New Testament than he said about anything else. And we spend most of our lives either making it, spending it, or trying to hang on to it. God says that your checkbook reveals what's really important to you. Not what you say is important to you, but how you spend your money. So what if we put that to the test this morning? Now, don't freak out. We're not going to do this. But what if we all took our checkbook out? Now, I know some of you don't have a checkbook. If you're like my daughter and son-in-law, they use, they use a debit card for everything. But you know what? What if you pulled your little device out and pulled up your bank account with the register right there where we could see it, all right? So you either have your checkbook or your device with your bank account on it where you spend all your money, and we pass that to the person to the right of us who's not a family member, and we let them examine how we spend our money. Here's the deal. Maybe that person doesn't even know you, doesn't know anything about you, but they could learn a great deal about your life and what is important in your life just by looking at your checkbook. And that is why you don't want to do that. You don't want them to see that, do you? The way you spend your money says what is important in your life. What is first place? Now, Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23 tells us that the purpose of tithing is to teach us to put God first place in our life. So let me answer a couple of questions you may have in your mind, three of them specifically. You might be wondering, well, what is tithing? God says that the first 10% of anything I make goes back to him. It's the tithe, 10%. Why 10%? Well, it's just what God came up with. He could have said 1 or 5 or 25. He could have said 90%, but he said 10%. It's the tithe. But the important thing is the purpose of it. The purpose is to simply teach you to put God first in your life. And parents, please, 
you teach your kids to tithe from an early age. Uh, I got my first job when I was six years old. Back in West Texas in those days, in the 60s, they didn't have child labor laws. And so my dad kicked me out the front door and said, go get a job, boy. No, I really, I wanted my own money. So I got a job, but my parents taught me when I got that first paycheck, 10% belongs to God. 10% belongs to God. So I've been taught that all my life. But not only have I been taught it, I've seen what it does. I see how God blesses and takes what we give and multiplies it. Now, if I had a nickel for every time I've heard this next little phrase, I could, I could buy my whole family, any, everybody in this whole section over here, a steak dinner for lunch. I could. Here, here's the, the statement I hear people say all the time. They say, well, but preacher, you don't understand. I just can't afford to tithe. It's exactly right. You can't afford not to tithe. Now, I don't know any clear, simpler advice to give you as a pastor who loves you and cares for you than to say, if you are in a financial mess right now, the first step, the most important thing that you are to do is to put God first in your finances. If you've got a financial mess right now, the first thing you need to do is tithe. Whatever you want God to bless, you put God first in that area. And tithing teaches us to put God first. You say, preacher, I just don't believe that. Well, you know what? I do believe it. 1090 plan. I've done this in every church that we've had. We've actually done it here. So I'll just, I'll just climb out on a limb without even talking to the church board, and I'll make you this deal right here. You tithe for 90 days. And at the end of the 90 days, if, if God has not blessed you, we'll give you your money back. Church will give you your money back. Why, why can I do that? Because God has promised God said, test me in this. Prove me in this. So I guarantee you, it, it works. It works. Question number two, why is tithing so important? Well, God says that if I'm not tithing, then God really isn't first in my life. If he is not first in my finances, he's really not first in my life. When should I do it? 1 Corinthians 16, 2. On the first day of every week. That's what the Bible says. You gather what you've made and bring it and give it as an offering. Listen to this. This is so important. I give God the first 10% on the first day of the week to remind myself that God is first in my life. Remember Proverbs 3, if you put me first, I will direct you and I will crown your efforts with success. And so I do that on the first day of the week, which happens to be Sunday. Why does he say tithe on Sunday? Because tithing is an act of my worship to God. That's the day you worship God. Now, I'm all for being generous, and you need, to, you need to be generous with your money, and you need to give to charities and be generous uh, in the pie auction tonight. Be generous with your money, all right? But that's not tithing. Being generous with charities is not tithing. Listen to me. Tithing is an act of worship, and you tithe to worship God. 
Now, some of the people in the office here are paid monthly. I'm paid every week, and I want to be paid every week because every week I want to write out my tithe check and present it as an offering to God. I, personal opinion from reading and studying God's Word, I don't think you have fully and truly worshiped God until you have given to Him. That is biblical. You present your offering, your gift to God. So let's say you are paid once a month or every other week. Here's what I would advise. You break it up so that every Sunday when you come in here, you have a gift to give to God. Why? Why? It is a weekly reminder that God is first place in my finances. God says, prove me. Put him to the test. If he's not first in your finances, you're building your family on a crumbling foundation. Let me go on. What's the next letter? I. I. I is the next letter. If God's really going to be number one, you must put him first in your interests. That means in my fun times, in my play times, my amusements, my recreation, hobbies, pastimes. 1 Corinthians 10.31, I love it. It says, whatever you do. Whatever you do, play golf, cowboy shoot, ride motorcycles, cook, crafts, whatever it is, do it all to the glory of God. So whatever I'm doing, I'm doing for God's glory. That means in whatever you do, you put God first. You do it with an attitude of gratitude. If you're out playing golf, you say, Lord, thank, you know, I'm, I may stink at this game and, and I may whiff the ball or I might score 120 instead of 72, but you know what? I'm thankful that I'm out here and that I'm using my arms and I've got a little bit of hand-eye coordination that I wouldn't have unless you gave it to me. So, Lord, thank you. Let's have a good day together. And then you play your round of golf and you don't cuss <laughs> on the golf course, all right? little pet peeve of mine. Everything you do, you do it with an attitude of gratitude. Putting God first in that area. And again, whatever it is. If you like crafts, if you like to cook, if you like to fish, if you like to hunt, if you like to shop. Well, let's don't put shopping in there, right? <laughs> whatever you do, you thank God that he's given you these gifts and abilities. And, and you do it with a grateful heart. In whatever you do. You know, it's, it's interesting to me. You can tell what a person's priorities are seeing what they get excited about. I mean, what, what gets them jacked up? What gets them turned on, their engine fired up? What gets you excited? Well, whatever it is, that's what's important to you. It's funny, you can go to a Razorback game or maybe even an OU game. I don't know. I don't go to those. but And get excited. And you know what? If you're excited at a game, they call you a fan. But if you get excited about the Lord, they call you a fanatic or a freak. I like that better. What, what, what do you talk about the most? You know, I know people who can talk for hours on end about other people's lives, but they can't talk three minutes about the Lord. Hmm? Parents, Deuteronomy 6 tells us to talk to our family, our kids specifically, about God. And if He is not first place in your life, you're not going to make him a point of conversation. So make sure God is first in your life. You won't be ashamed to talk about him. Why? Because he's first. And in everything I do, 
I'm going to do it to the best of my ability and to give God the glory. You know, let me, as a side note, let me just say before I move on to the next letter. Sometimes we allow these things that we get interested in to become those little G's in our life, those little gods. Now, I love a person who's passionate, man, and I get, I, my problem is I get real focused. Whatever my hobby is, I get real focused. You know, I get real passionate. I want to I have the best marlin that a guy can, a cowboy shooter can have. I want to have the best leather rig that I can have shooting cowboy. Why? Because I'm passionate about it. And that's okay to a certain point. But we can go over the, the edge and allow this hobby, this passion, to become more important than top priority in our life. Uh, three years ago, I, I started working out again, and, and I've done it religiously. I'd hate to use that word. I've done it consistently for three years. Six days a week, I work out. Can I tell you, working out's a lot easier than eating right. I haven't, I haven't conquered that one, but I am working out every day. And I, and I get tweets every day from this uh, muscle place. To, for a, it's a daily motivation. Okay, to kind of get you jacked up, get in the gym, work out. Daily, and there's little phrases, little neat sayings. And, and I always enjoy reading them, you know. I don't know that it gets me all that excited, but, but usually they're pretty good. I read one last night that freaked me out, though. And here's what, I don't know if it's a guy or a girl, but here's, here's what the little tweet said. My gym is my church. All right. My sweat is my prayers. My strength is my salvation. I just dropped the phone, man. I said, that's, that's heresy is what that is. But you know what's happened to that person? They've allowed something good, taking care of the body, taking care of the temple God has given us. They have allowed that thing, exercise, to become their God. And their priorities are out of whack. Their life is messed up. They, they might have the body of Mr. Olympia, but you know what? Their heart's a mess. Let's go on. What's the next letter? R. Relationships. If you want God first in your life, you're going to have to choose your friends wisely. Proverbs 27, 19. What a man is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. Living Bible. Again, what a man is really like is shown by the kinds of friends he chooses. Why is that? Why is that? What does who my friends are have to do with God being first place in my life? Because, quite frankly, you become like the people you spend most of your time with. Now, you can argue with that until you're blue in the face, but it's true and it's been proven time and time again. So if you spend the vast majority of your time who take God lightly, sooner or later you're going to start taking God lightly. And you will become, and I hate this term, but you'll become a casual believer. On the other hand, if you spend the majority of your time with people who are committed to God and they take God's word seriously, you're going to become a stronger, more committed Christian. Whoever you spend your time with, that's who you're going to be like. And let me just, parentheses right here to you parents who have little kids at home. You, you, need to, you need to make it a priority to model in front of your children men and women of faith. Who, who is it you're bringing into your home that your kids are seeing? Even on the TV, who are they seeing in your home? Let me advise you, model in front of your kids committed Christians, 
from this church. Find some committed men and women from this church and invite them into your home to be models for your kids to see, this is what I need to be like. A couple of years ago, I was, I was taking this, it really wasn't a test, it was a questionnaire, and one of the questions was, who have been the, the, the biggest influencers in your life? You know, I didn't, even, I didn't even think about it. I just started writing names down. And beside each name, I wrote what that person or how that person influenced me and what they taught me. And after I finished the list, I looked at it and I just kind of freaked out all of a sudden because every name on that list was a former pastor that I had. You might say, well, you are a preacher, so that's the way you think. But you know what? I think it's even deeper than that. Because I can remember as a little boy, my, my mom and dad very seldom, if ever, said anything negative in front of me about our pastors. They respected the man or the men. And we invited our pastor into our home. And I got to see him on a different level than just upfront preaching. And those men of God taught me what's really important in life. And I would say to you as parents, make sure you model in front of your kids people that have the right ethics, the right morality. Because if you don't give them a good model, they're going to find one. And it could be the wrong one. Proverbs 12, 26 says, A righteous man chooses his friends carefully. That is, he's cautious. And the truth is this. If you really want God first in your life, there are some relationships that are dead wrong for you. And, and that may apply at this very moment. If you really want God first in your life, there, there may be some relationships that you need to end today. I, I've seen so many times a dynamic Christian get wooed away for whatever reason. Either through a friendship or maybe they want to get married. They, they get wooed away by a person who does not share their values. So, choose your friends carefully. It's always easier to pull somebody down than it is to pull somebody up. Put God first in your relationships. And put God first in your family. Your family. Now, I say this to uh, all of us, but especially those of you who have kids still at home. For some crazy reason, and, and it's almost inexplainable, the devil can, can confuse our minds and get the orders of priority reversed in our family and our life. For example, this may have happened in your home. The, the, the line of command, the priorities, have become kids, spouse, God. Now, you, you might say, no, that hasn't happened in my life. But really, ha has, has it? Kids, you know, we all want our kids to do good, don't we? We all want our kids to be successful, don't we? We all pour a whole lot of time and energy into our kids, right? But sometimes there's, there's this line right here, and sometimes we cross that line when kids become more important than even our spouse. Or, God forbid, our kids become more important than God. You know, you know what the real priority should be? You know what the Bible says? Here's what works in your family. God, first. Your spouse, second. And those cotton-picking kids, 
come third. That's the foundation. That's the way it's supposed to be. And when we get it messed up, then guess what? We've got a messed up family. And God can't bless a mess. <laughs> oh boy, I'm hitting home runs today like crazy, aren't I? S, let's go on. I'm almost done. S is schedule. Put God first in your schedule, in your time. I love Ephesians 5.16. It says, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So, how do I put God first in my schedule? Well, I ask Him to help me use my time wisely. We only have 24 hours in the day, so let's redeem the time. Let's use the time wisely. So, here's what you do. You get up in the morning, and you make your to-do list. Okay? And then you get on your knees and you pray, Lord... <laughs> Help me with this. I, there's, I've got 12 things on my list, and I know I don't have enough time to do all 12 of them. So, Lord, would you pick out the most important ones, and let's do them together. And, God, even if there's something important that's not on my list that you want done, let's make sure we get that done first. And so you ask God to bless your schedule and your time. Selection is the name of the game. So let's do God's priority. And then make a daily appointment with God. If God is going to be first place in your family and in your life, you need a daily appointment with God. You've got to have a quiet time. Jesus did. And let me tell you, if it was important for Jesus to have a daily quiet time, how much more is it important for you and I? I love that jewel tucked away in Mark 1.35. It says, Jesus went to a solitary place to pray. And I told the crowd Wednesday night, G. Campbell Morgan, commenting on that passage, says, as was his custom. Jesus had to do it. Let me tell you, you and I need it. We get so busy sometimes, we forget God. There's a verse in the book of Jeremiah that says, My people have forgotten me for days on end. So put God first. I used to do my devotions at night because I'm not a morning person. But God really convicted me of that. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad about it if you do it at night. Whenever you do it, that's great. But for me, God really got a hold of me one time and said, You know, Will, you're, you're putting this off at night right before you go to bed and you're sleepy and sometimes you fall asleep while you're trying to read your Bible. He said, Why don't, why don't you do it first thing in the morning? And I thought, You know, that makes a whole lot of sense. If God is really going to be first in my life, I need Him first in the morning. So the first thing I do in the morning after I've had at least two sips of coffee... Nathan, <laughs> is I read my Bible and I pray. I put God first. I, I would encourage you if you have a family or if you're married, when you sit down to eat, say a prayer of thanks to God together. Pray aloud together as a family. It is a visual demonstration to your kids that God is first. And besides all that, a little bit of self-control that it takes to pause and pray says, even when I'm hungry, God, you're still first place in my life. And then finally we come to T and everybody says, thank goodness we're on the last one and it's troubles. When you face unexpected problems and pressures, when you have a crisis in your life, who do you turn to? God says, turn to me first. When you've got a problem, come to me 
first. Many people, when they're in a tight spot, prayer is their last resort, not their first option. We do everything we can to physically correct the problem. And then we say out of desperation, nothing else has worked. I guess I'll pray. <laughs> like it's hopeless. Prayer should not be your last resort. Prayer should be your first option. Make God first place in a crisis. The Bible says He is an ever-present help. He is a refuge in times of trouble. Psalm 50 verse 15. God said, call upon me in your day of trouble and I will deliver you and you can glorify me. God says, put me first even in the tough times. Why? Because I can handle your problems. Bring it to me. Don't carry it. Bring it to me. And that brings up an interesting point. And I'm closing with this. How do you know when God is first place in your life? I mean, how do I know when I have really made God first place in my life? It's really easy to distinguish this. Here's what happens. You stop worrying. You stop worrying. Worry is the warning light that God is not first place in my life right now in this situation. When I start worrying, it says, you know what? I'm trying to play the role of God in my life. I'm assuming responsibilities not intended for me to assume. Because when God is not first place in any of these five areas that I have mentioned today, you know what we do? We worry. When God is not first in my finances, what do I do? I worry about Him. When God is not first place in my relationships, what do I do? I worry. When God is not first place in my troubles and trials, I worry. When God is not first place in my schedule, then I worry. But when you stop and do a priority check, God, would you be first place in this area? God, would you take control of this area? God, would you handle this? You're in charge. I can take a deep breath and relax because I'm in good hands. <laughs> Matthew 6.33 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. You know what that means? You put God first in every area of your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus said that right in the middle of a sermon on worry. <laughs> it's the antidote to worry. Put God first. Now I'm going to go back to where I started this morning. I want a strong family. Okay? I want my life to be strong. I want to have a strong family, a strong marriage. For it to be strong, we've got to have a good foundation, man. It's got to be rock solid. Because here's what I know. There are going to be storms in this life. There's going to be torrential rain and tornadoes and wind that's blowing. Satan is going to huff and puff <laughs> and try to blow my house down. For my house to stand, it's got to be built on the solid rock of Jesus. He has to be first place. How does he become first place? 
I put him there. I let him have that role in my life. Now, I'm going to end by a word to you men. I know it's not Father's Day. That's next month. And I don't want to devalue the importance of mothers and wives. Your day is next Sunday. But I want to say this to the men who are here. Because it really starts with you men. Unless you've forgotten, God has given you the responsibility of your family. Ultimately, one day, you're going to be responsible to God for your family. Guys, that's serious. Your role is one of leadership in your family. You lead your wife and kids. You got me? So I'm saying this to the men who are here. I want to challenge you men to make a public commitment to do the right thing for your family, for your life, and for this nation. I'm asking you to say today, you know what, I'm not ashamed to say that I want to build my life on God's values. Values that last. I want to build a strong family with the right foundation. And I want God to be first place in my finances, in my interest, in my relationships, in my schedule, and in my troubles. And I believe that if I follow this principle to put God first place in my life, God is going to take control of my family and it's going to last, and God's going to bless it. So men, would you come and pray that prayer today? Ladies, pray that prayer along with your husband. And kids, pray that prayer with your family. Heavenly Father.